I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. For months, the city of Oakland has been waiting to evict the remaining residents of Wood Street, the once largest encampment for unhoused people in Northern California. On Monday, that's set to finally happen. Around 300 people used to live in parked RVs and makeshift shelters on the settlement, which once stretched for more than a mile under the 880 freeway. Oakland, like many other cities, has had to contend with a spiraling homeless crisis. Wood Street has long been glaring evidence of the city's failure to manage the issue. But over the years, it's also come to symbolize something else, the will of unhoused people to build a self-determined and self-governing community. That community included people like Lydia Bloomberg. Almost all of the people that are here are here because they've been pushed out of so many other places so many other times. They wanted to be as far off the street and out of the public eye as they could be. They're tired of, you know, being told to move on. And people like Clutch. We're just trying to make something out of nothing, you know. We don't have anything and and we're trying to find little things here and there to make it into something of our own. Those voices were captured by former Fifth Emission producer Karen Creighton, who has covered Wood Street for the podcast in the past. Now she's making a documentary about the community as a film house resident with SF Film. For months, she's been visiting Wood Street every day, capturing the residents' struggles to stay put even as the encampment's population dwindled due to ongoing evictions. Today on Fifth Emission, Karen Creighton is back on the show to talk about how those remaining at Wood Street are feeling as they face final eviction. Joining her is Chronicle reporter Sarah Ravani, who will catch us up on how we got here, what alternatives residents face now, and what the final eviction of Wood Street means for Oakland. Sarah, Karen, thanks so much for being here. Sarah, I'd love to start with you. There used to be hundreds of people at Wood Street, and now there's only about 60 people left in an area called the Commons. Tell me what has happened in the past year or so that has made the population there dramatically shrink. Wood Street was a large encampment in West Oakland. It was on a huge plot of land. Some parts of it were under the freeway, but that land was owned by multiple different agencies, including the city, state agencies like Caltrans, and railroad companies. Oakland has really struggled with how to kind of handle the encampment because it was so sprawling. It spanned 25 city blocks. But last summer, Caltrans announced that it would evict 200 people from the site. And their announcement essentially just spurred months-long evictions and hundreds of people were removed. And now, like you said, only about 60 people remain on a portion of the site that's owned by the city. Now, Karen, you've reported on Wood Street for Fifth Emission when you were a producer in the past, and now you're working on a new project, a documentary about the community there. You've been closely following the series of challenges they face for months and months, like Sarah just described. Now they're facing final evictions on Monday, How are they feeling? I think a lot of residents are feeling really pushed to the brink. There's been so much uncertainty about when this eviction would happen. I think there's been maybe a month of of waiting for the final notice, and people are really mentally struggling. They've really tried everything they could. 
it's just been a really tough process for a lot of people. And how have Wood Street residents defended their right to stay? What arguments have they made? So a lot of residents want to stay because they really envision building out a lot of the services they currently offer at Wood Street. So they want something more formal. They have the hopes of creating a nonprofit organization so they can offer these services because a lot of services already come to Wood Street, like harm reduction, healthcare services, connections to housing. And so residents really envision making Wood Street a place where they can directly offer those services to themselves and to other unhoused residents. They just want to continue to build out this community they've built there. Wood Street has kind of become a place for so many people who don't really fit in in other parts of society. It allows them to build businesses like uh, recycling scrap metal and plastics, which is a thing that's kind of hard to do if you don't have a lot of space to build out that type of business. So it's kind of a place for for those folks to live, and and they really want to try to maintain that. Hmm. Now, Sarah, this eviction is happening because a federal judge ruled in Oakland's favor earlier this year. The city had argued that Without the evictions at the encampment, it would lose state funding for affordable housing. Explain for me what the city wants to do with that site once residents leave. Habitat for Humanity, East Bay, Silicon Valley, and Midpen Housing are currently in exclusive negotiations with the city for a project that has 85 units of housing for sale and 85 rental units. Both of the organizations and the city have said that the project is affordable housing, but they have not specified what the income breakdown will be. And the developers have said they can't determine what the income requirements will be until they can access the site. The reason this eviction was initially brought is because the city said that they would lose out on state funding if they didn't clear the site and access it by, I think, the end of January. Obviously, that deadline has passed. The current residents that are at Wood Street have said in the past that they don't even know if they can afford the affordable housing units that will eventually be built there. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Mm. And Karen, Oakland has also used the argument that, you know, there's health and safety concerns at Wood Street as a reason for evicting the residents there. There have been more than 100 fires, concerns over sanitary conditions. But as you've alluded to in your previous response, this is a fully functioning community there. Folks have built their own amenities. You spent so much time there. You've told me you're almost there every single day. Tell me what that's like. I think the first important point is that a lot of these sanitary and safety conditions exist because the city of Oakland has not given people resources to really protect themselves. Countless times residents have demanded and asked for uh, dumpsters at the site, but they've never been given them. So a lot of trash does build up on the street. They've been told by the city to dump their trash on the street, which is completely unsanitary. But that's what happens when you're not given resources. Over the summer, several months ago, when the porta potties at the site were not being cleaned. People got health conditions from unsanitary porta potties. And that's, again, a failure of the city. As far as like what my experience at Wood Street has been like, I think I kind of alluded to it in the other answer. But it's really a space for people who kind of aren't able to fit into the structure of everyday society, maybe might struggle to hold down a nine to five job, are able to find ways to live. 
And in that way, it, it does feel really essential. Can you kind of paint a picture for me of what the commons looks like? You've mentioned some of the different amenities there, but what does it look and feel like to be there? So, I mean, for me, it, it might be a little more normalized because I've been there nearly every day for several months. You walk in to the entrance off of Wood Street and you walk past the porta potties into a slightly fenced off area. You pass the kitchen, which is this canopied area where they have a couple of fridges that are run by solar power where they can store some food that's donated. And then, you know, every single day, multiple times a day, church groups, nonprofits, people come by and donate food. And then residents come and organize the food. Sometimes they might cook a community meal. There are a few cob houses that advocates and residents built together. People are living in them. And at times it's been used as a clothing closet to share donations and clothing with other residents. And then there are just a ton of different creatively built housing structures. Some people have two-story housing structures. There are a lot of trailers, people live in cars. You know, it, it's an incredibly diverse community. Mm-hmm. Now, Sarah, just based on what Karen's describing here, this sounds like a fully functioning community that is self-determined, has been able to be self-reliant in a lot of ways. And that brings me to the question, where are they going to go now after they're evicted? By law, Oakland is obligated to provide alternative shelter to them. What has the city offered? So the city has offered, I mean, spaces at some RV safe parking sites, but mostly they've offered people a space at this tiny home village that they've built near the site, so on Wood Street, using millions of dollars in state funds. And Karen, is that sufficient? What have Wood Street residents said in response to that offer? Well, I guess the question of whether it's sufficient, I mean, the first issue is that the cabin site isn't completely finished being built. They've fenced off maybe half of the area where they're going to bring in the next 30 or so cabins. And the city has determined that they have enough cabins to support the people who may want to live there, but the site's still currently under construction. This cabin site is a bit different and like a slight step up from the tough shed sites that exist in other places throughout Oakland. So they're not just these pop-up tough sheds. They are slightly larger. Many of the cabins are built just for one resident, so they're not pushed in to live with a random other person. I believe they have heat, but still a lot of residents have many issues with it. They're not allowed visitors. They're not allowed overnight guests. And significantly, residents are not given keys to their cabins. They have to be let into the front gate by a security guard and then also let into their specific cabin shelter by the security guard. And I think another big sticking point for residents is that, you know, if they're going to move there, they really want to be able to co-govern the site, which I don't believe has really been an option available to them. Mayor Sheng Tao campaigned using her own experience with homelessness. What has she had to say about the fate of Wood Street's residents? Filmmaker Karen Creighton and Chronicle reporter Sarah Ravani will answer after a quick break. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Karen Creighton, you mentioned that Oakland has tried similar tiny cabin sites in other parts of the city. 
What have the experiences of people living there been like? So a lot of the residents have already lived in city-run sites like safe RV lots and the tiny cabin sites. And they've come out of those sites with stories about, you know, being harassed by their roommates that they weren't allowed to choose. I know people who have been shot at RV sites. There are definitely fires that still happen in these RV sites. And I witnessed one a few months ago on the safe RV site on West Grand and Wood Street. So a lot of residents still have these same complaints. These problems happen in unsanctioned encampments and they happen in city-sanctioned encampments. It is also worth noting that a city audit found that some of these kind of tiny home villages in the city or cabin community sites, nearly half of the participants have returned to homelessness. So there's been a lot of questions about how effective they really are in helping people transition out of homelessness and giving them the support that they need. Karen, you mentioned that housed residents and other advocacy groups have supported Wood Street residents with things like food donations. That kind of relationship between Wood Street residents and Oakland's larger community seems important. And this new cabin village wouldn't really allow for that kind of relationship, right? Yeah, I don't think it would. The city of Oakland has you know, conducted a number of meetings with Wood Street residents and with Boss, the service provider who is going to be running the site. And it seems very clear to me that they don't want outside volunteers coming through, which makes sense to a degree for how they want to run the site. But yeah, it does not seem as if they'll be allowed to drop things off and and exist in the same way that Wood Street does now. Now, Sarah, all eyes have been on Wood Street for some time, and it was something that was discussed during the mayoral race. Newly elected Mayor Sheng Tao ran her campaign sharing her own experience with homelessness. What has she said now about this final sort of chapter of Wood Street and this eviction notice? What has she said? Mayor Tao hasn't really said much publicly about Wood Street specifically, In general, she has said she supports opening more of these sites like the tiny home villages and RV safe parking sites. She's also promised to make public land available for housing, specifically affordable housing. She's promised to build 30,000 new housing units over the next eight years. Voters passed Measure U last November, which is an $850 million bond measure, and a portion of that will be used for affordable housing. But she hasn't really come out and said anything specifically about Wood Street yet. Yeah, if I can just chime in on that. I know Wood Street residents have made multiple attempts at talking to the mayor. And I just think it sounds like she's not available for those discussions, in part because Wood Street has been in a court case against the city. And so maybe she's legally not allowed to. But yes, a lot of residents have been very disappointed by the lack of response and lack of action. And some of those residents attended her inauguration in January. Well, obviously, there's a lot of high emotions around this. This has been a long sort of saga. And Karen, after getting to know so many Wood Street residents over the years, what have they shared with you at this moment? What are you hearing them say to you? I think the main sentiment is... A combination of like a real sadness at the potential loss of this community that they've built, a community that for so many people functions as family. And for other people, it's, you know, a strong determination to resist this eviction for as long as they can. 
a lot of people are really unwilling to leave their spaces. And I think that's for a, a number of reasons. But either way, you know, there's a lot of grief. And it also seems like, Karen, the community there has also taught housed residents of Oakland quite a bit, right? We can see how a, a community can be built in a space like that. And it feels like there's a loss of an opportunity also just for housed residents to understand the experiences of people who are unhoused. Yeah, I would say one of the huge benefits of the Wood Street Commons being so accessible to people is the relationships that housed people have been able to build with unhoused residents. And that's really what drew me to the story. It's something that, you know, I haven't really seen elsewhere and is kind of like a beautiful connection that kind of, you know, gives you insight into how people can relate to people who are different from them. Mm -hmm. Sarah, are there steps that Wood Street residents can take now to stay? What could happen next? In a lot of ways, I think this feels like the last chapter. The judge has always said that, you know, the city would be able to close Wood Street and he's given the city the go-ahead after, you know, rejecting them initially and taking away their earlier, like, approval to do so. So in many ways, this kind of feels like the end. And I would be curious to see on Monday how things go down. But, you know, it it feels kind of like an ending to me. Well, thank you both for your reporting. Karen, also so great to see you back on Fifth and Mission. I appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah Ravani covers Oakland for The Chronicle. To find her reporting on Wood Street and other East Bay stories, visit sfchronicle.com and The Chronicle app. Karen Creighton is an artist in residence with SF Film. She's making a documentary about the Wood Street community. You can follow her work on Twitter. She's at Karen Creighton. Thank you to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs> 